Hello and welcome everyone to We'll Be Right Back, the future of hospitality. On We'll Be Right Back, we interview people from every corner of the service and hospitality industry, as well as representatives from organizations providing relief and resources as we learn how to manage and settle into this new reality after COVID-19. I am your host, Greg Tilton. Today I'm joined by Jacqueline Blanchard. She is the owner and founder of Coutelier. I always say it incorrectly, I know Jackie, but please introduce yourself in Coutelier. <laughs> no worries. Jacqueline Blanchard here, um, owner and co-founder of Coutelier, New Orleans, Louisiana. We have a second location in Nashville that's about two years old, previously chefs. So that's kind of how we got into this. Tell us a little bit about what Coutelier does. You obviously are not just a simple knife shop. There's a lot more going on under the hood. Can you tell us a bit about your shop? Right. Yeah. So I think that originally uh, my partner and I, Brant, got into this because we were chefs and were tired of not having a place where we could find the tools we needed at the level of cooking we were at. We predominantly have a lot of our experience in Michelin-starred restaurants, sort of a higher end of cooking that requires your tool to be on point for you on a daily basis. Um, your tool represents your work ultimately. So we wanted to sort of create a space where we could source the correct in ingredients, you would say, for uh, a knife bag. Your your tools are everything for you as a chef. So we were tired of kind of not having that place where we could sort of find everything. Thinking about this back in 2014, when we were living out in California, decided to move home. We opted for opening a retail shop rather than a restaurant, which was completely outside of our realm of experience. We knew how to open restaurants. We knew how to deal with restaurants, but retail was something entirely different for us. So I think that ultimately when we got into this, we weren't quite knowing what to experience and what we were going to get ready for in terms of being retail people and we were restaurant people. So, you know, it's a completely different shift. So I think at Cotillier, we'd opt in for finding these generations old Japanese families that have been making these tools for countless years. I think that's the most important thing for us is to have relationships with them. So that's why our travels to Japan are so important to us, because it allows us to create these relationships with these families, with these people who dedicate their lives and their families have dedicated generations to perfecting a craft. And I find that many places in the world that doesn't exist the way it does in Japan. And I think that's a reason that we were so drawn to Japan. You know, we were using Japanese knives in our everyday prep, every day at work in the restaurants we were working at. You know, when I first graduated culinary school from Nichols State in 2006, moved straight to Northern California to work for Thomas Keller. I was exposed to these cooks using, you know, a different level of tools than I was used to. And a lot of them were using these Japanese knives. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. So immediately started using Japanese steel. And it, it's a game changer when it comes to how you work. So we really did want to focus on Japanese knives, um, not just for you know, that history and, and the level of craftsmanship and dedication to that, but also for the performance, because, you know, the story is one thing, but the performance is another. And these definitely speak for themselves. So I think that was such a huge catalyst, uh, was experiencing that early on in, in our careers that, you know, kind of opened our eyes to the quality of tools that we needed every day to make sure that our work was represented the best. And, you know, there's nothing like going into work knowing that your tools are going to perform, knowing your knife is sharp, 
knowing you've got that right peeler, that right pair of scissors, you know, all these, all these things add up. And so we wanted to bring that perspective and that know-how and that experience to our shop and not just to our peers, because really we opened it sort of selfishly for ourselves and our, our friends and our peers for, uh, you know, the access to have these things available. And then it just kind of took a turn for the home cook, you know, and in where more in South Louisiana do we experience serious home cooks in here. It's it's just a really amazing thing we have that, you know, it takes you sort of moving away a lot to realize it when you come back. And I think you get these different appreciations for where you're from when you take some time off and see things outside the bubble. So I think that for us, another level of why to open, you know, why go this route was not just for the cooks and the professionals, but for the serious home cooks, because they want what the chefs are using. And I think that gives us, you know, an upper hand in sort of guiding them to find the right tools for the right job. I love it. It's such a great story. It's such a kind of classic interesting story for people who wind up in very unique occupations or starting certain businesses or particularly niche and specialty work. You go from working in a kitchen to needing specialized tools to realizing, oh, I'm not the only person who needs these specialized tools. And now your your passion for good steel and good cutlery has become a business, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah, it's pretty wild for us. I will say that nothing I ever thought I would find myself in is this position. Um, I thought I was an absolute lifer on a line in a in a restaurant. I think that life sort of takes different turns and, you know, you sort of roll with them just like we're all doing right now with the current <laughs> climate of uh, virus and everything affecting our industries. All of our industries are affected. So I think that, you know, it's that adapt or die sort of mentality. It's that, hey, you know, let's take a step off, try something different, but also within the realm of what we know, because we're not far outside of, you know, the industry. We're just on a different sort of fork in the road. Uh, We're still part of it. We still got our thumb on the pulse. We're very much involved in it in just a different way. And I think that has allowed us to be able to refocus what we want to do in projects later on. Do we, you know, originally we were like, hey, let's let's do this and then let's open a restaurant. That was really such a focus for us in the beginning. And now we're five years in and there's definitely projects to get into that involve the restaurant industry. But, you know, right now we've opened a second location already. Nashville has had our second shop for two years now. And, and to have such great feedback from that community and not just this community in New Orleans, like you get to be part of both. And it's such a special thing. And Nashville is sort of like New Orleans and that kind of that vibe of a very tight knit restaurant community. Everyone knows each other. Everyone's here to support each other. And it's been, you know, outrageous to experience both of that. If you'd have told me five years ago, I'd have two different shops, you know, in Nashville and New Orleans, I would laugh at you. There's no way. But it kind of opportunities kept presenting themselves to us. Um, and the feedback has been so great that we couldn't pass up the opportunity for sure. Well, you kind of touched a little bit on my question earlier, or at least hinted to it. Can you kind of describe to me the early weeks leading up to COVID-19 and where you and Cotillier are now? What has changed about your day-to-day operations? Yeah, so early March, I was in Nashville, was there to hire a new staff member, conducting some interviews, got to town on the Sunday, I believe March 2nd, and then March 3rd, the tornado hit East Nashville. And it was a direct hit on our neighborhood. 
our neighbors all around us were just destroyed. And somehow we were spared major catastrophic damage. We did receive a lot of damage. Our shop has kind of been shut down since that because basically we're leading right into this. You know, so we started the month off of March very rough. I was there for it. You know, I've been through so many hurricanes in my life and nothing in the world will prepare you for what the tornado does. I've never experienced anything like it. It was kind of like seeing a war zone. It really took my breath away. It kind of took me to my knees just physically. And just out of the gratefulness right away, you know, we could have been right in the dead path. It seemed to have jumped right over our shop. Our entire alleyway was crushed. Our neighbors were leveled left and right. I mean, it was such a devastating scene. And then to see like your tiny little shop, like see somehow survive that is truly remarkable. And I think that that's how we started all this. And then in a sense of it all is gratefulness because it could have been so much worse. Those knives could have got picked up and thrown around in a cyclone all over Nashville. I think about that all the time. So there's, I feel there's some, some benevolent force maybe keeping that wind out of that shop that night and keeping those knives intact because that would have just been a devastating scene to see that tossed everywhere. To have such a young business and we were really starting to hit our stride in Nashville to have that sort of you know, take you back. It's quite a blow, but thankful that we were able to rebuild and and come back from that pretty quickly. So we we have our shop manager in Nashville who's been kind of keeping an eye on things and taking care of things because basically right when we were set to reopen, COVID hit. So I was still in Nashville kind of mitigating um, a lot of what was going on there still with the tornado and then came back home right into this. So we we basically have been shut down in Nashville since the beginning of March. You know, what we've done here, you know, everyone's adapting very quickly. The information's changing very quickly day to day. So, you know, you're processing information qu- quickly. You're You're dealing with something you've never dealt with. So, you know, how do you implicate that for your employees in a safe environment? So basically what we've done is pivoted everything to our online store. So we have an online store, cotillianola.com. Everything's available for shipping there. So we've had to focus on that entirely because that's really all we've got right now. So we've been able to have, you know, a lot of support from the community in terms of knife sharpening still, uh, curbside pickup, things like that. I think everyone sort of adjusted to that pretty fast. But right now, I think we're trying to figure out the next move. We're trying to figure out how to reopen and how to get back into it. So basically for our knife sharpening service, we'll have a customer call us, make an appointment. They will drop off the knife in a disposable bag to us curbside at the shop. We'll take it. We'll disinfect it again. You know, we ask our customers to disinfect them themselves, but we do it again. Uh, we sharpen the knife. We send them an email invoice so they can pay uh, via Square invoice. They don't have to even give us a credit card. So it's paid for. They come by. They call us when they're a couple minutes out. And then we meet them curbside and then drop off the knives. Now, customers have been really taking advantage of the, the curbside pickup as well. We've been doing a few local deliveries, but very few. So, you know, we've kind of turned ourselves into little you know, shipping facility in there. It's It's been a different mode. We've sort of had to shift everything around in terms of the having the right amount of shipping supplies. You know, we were kind of running out of shipping supplies in the beginning because we didn't anticipate the traffic we might get. 
Uh, and I think the feedback has been really great. And this community supporting small businesses is probably the most important thing any of us can do, you know, whether it's us or any small business. Um, a lot of restaurants are doing the to-go thing. I just think that part has shown itself so well. And you see your community rally around you because they don't want to lose you. What I think I've experienced the most is people want to make sure we stick around. And that's been a really humbling and beautiful thing to hear from a lot of people. I guess my next question for you then is, how does this affect the experience of Coutelier? I've had a lot of these discussions lately in the show where it's like, what is the value out of the bar or what happens when fine dining becomes impossible due to spacing, right? Do you find that this curbside and online focus is having an impact on the quote unquote Coutelier experience? Yeah, I think that we'll see how that plays out. What we've done is really focus on our phone consultations with people. Our phone is ringing left and right all day long for folks calling in. They don't know what kind of knife to get. They've never got one before. Or they're old customers of ours that, you know, just want to have something new. So we've really focused on our phone consultations. And I think that the hardest thing for us is to not have that experience. That's why we opened a brick and mortar. And that's why we have two brick and mortars is because we wanted you to have that experience where you come in, you hold a knife, you feel it, the weight, the balance, everything is such a personal sort of feel when it comes to deciding, you know, what knife to get. I think that this has completely changed all of that for us. You know, hopefully that's all temporary. And hopefully at some point we can get back to whatever the new normal of experiencing Cotillier is. But what we've done is really focused on phone calls with people and talking to them. Because I think that is a, a huge aspect for your your patrons and your customers that, you know, you're getting still this very intimate sort of one-on-one experience. You may not be able to be in shop tangibly, but it's the next best thing you can get. At least there's that human contact, you know, um, which to us was the most important thing. And for us to be able to really give you you know, the best experience possible is obviously for you to be in the shop. And since we can't do that right now, it's just about reaching out to folks and making sure that they know you're very here for them. You want to make sure that they're not intimidated. They may not have any idea what they want as far as a new knife goes, but you want to make sure that you make them feel comfortable. You give them all the information they need and they still feel like they're getting some of that experience. So you also mentioned that a big part of, and this was in our pre-call, that a big part of the Coutelier experience is telling the story behind the maker and the process. So you talked about your sourcing in Japan. You had mentioned to me in the call that you work with these this small family primarily. Uh, can you tell us a bit about the challenges now to your sourcing and to your storytelling? Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. Like I was saying, the storytelling part is so important for us. People want to know the human connection. They don't want to just buy a knife from the retail farms of the world where you don't really know what you're getting. I think that's what sets us apart is the stories that we do have attached. And these are real stories. These are us traveling. We've spent the last five years traveling to Japan, meeting these families, several families all over the country. And to have you know, a very one-on-one relationship with them, you almost kind of become a part of it, is probably the most important thing to us. And what worries me is how long will this last? A lot of these families are not able to continue forging without sales. And if, you know, the economy shut down, I can't buy knives. I'm not sure how that's going to 
play out. So we want to make sure that these families are supported and we want to make sure we're still buying from them. But the supply chain in terms of us getting actual knives has been, you know, consistent and, and still upholding. But things are very difficult to get. They take a long time to get here now. We, we have concerns with customers that, you know, if, if this product's coming from Japan, are we quarantining it? Are we sanitizing it? You know, we're doing the best we can with what we've got in terms of sanitary protocols. We're wiping down boxes. We're wiping down knives constantly. But we also ask our customers to be vigilant as well. You know, when you get that package, maybe wipe it down a little bit more, just like we do when we're getting knife sharpening dropped off. We ask the customer to sanitize it, but we also sanitize it as well. So we want to support these families and keep them going. We don't want this craft to die. And I think the most important thing we can do is just to keep forging on and to make sure that we're doing everything to support them continuously, even if the world economy is down and not buying a lot of these knives. It's kind of on us. We take this very personal stand when it comes to this, and we want to support these families. We want to make sure that this craft does not die because it's just like a lot of old world crafts in the world. You know, modern technology has sort of taken over. We're used to things not being as handmade as they used to be. Now, you know, a lot of these families have been doing this for generations, like I said, uh, 29 generations, like the Moritaka family out of Kumamoto, you know, one of our favorite families to work with. Shosuite Keira out of Okuyama. You know, these are all people we know, families we've met, people we feel like we have to continue to support. And we don't know quite how that's going to look in the next, you know, year or so. The landscape of everything seems to be shifting pretty rapidly. And I think adjusting to that will tell its tale because there's a lot of unknowns out there right now. You know, we're still able to get some products, but things are taking a lot longer. And unfortunately, if the revenue is not there for them, they may not continue on. We sort of feel like we're trying to be champions of, of continuing on these generational crafts uh, by these you know amazing families and fans. It's a really important points to make there, Jackie. I mean, it's not just about shopping local. You as a local business are also supporting small businesses literally across the world. And it's nice to know that by supporting you and your business, whether we're buying knives, whether we are using sharpening services, whether we even buying your array of cookbooks and culinary works, I think that it's nice to know that it's supporting you and small businesses everywhere. I just think it's such an important thing you're doing and your commitment to local sourcing or rather small scale sourcing. Yeah. And I think that us sourcing from these smaller families and not just Japan, you know, we're getting stuff from Northern Italy. We're getting stuff from Spain. We're getting stuff from France. You know, there are, there are other sourcing that we do outside of Japan, but you're, you're still supporting these artisan crafts and these artisans who are making them. And maybe they also come from, you know, several generations of that craft in their families. So you're, you're supporting it you know, beyond the scale of just the Japanese, it's sort of a world scale. And I think for us, our torch to bear is the one for making sure that these small time artisans who have been so well lauded for their quality can continue on. And that's something that we take very seriously. You're not just supporting us. You're not just supporting a local business. You are supporting so much more. And the scale of that is so 
wide and and heavy. And we take a lot of that on. We take that's a lot of personal responsibility for us. And it's very important for us for folks to understand really the lengths we go for a lot of the products that we have. These are not just products that we buy from some distributor or some intermediary, some warehouse. These are years worth of hunting and traveling and sourcing. And really the hunt, I think for us is one of the most exciting parts of what we do now is to be able to go and and find these things, find these crafts and these important pieces that make our shop what it is. And I think it is a very unique sense, a shop where you can come in and find some amazing unique products that you're not gonna be able to see and feel really anywhere else. And, And I think that's a little bit what sets us apart from similar shops, there's there's definitely a lot of other, not a lot, but there's there's several other knife shops in the U.S., some of which we've taken great inspiration from, you know, and we definitely know that. And so, we'll, you know, we tried to do our best to differentiate ourselves within all of that. And I think what you see in our catalog of products is the efforts we've taken and the miles we've traveled and the families we've spent time with, we've had dinner with, we've slept in their their homes We've held the Moritaka family's five and 600-year-old katana swords that were used in battle, you know, in the 12th century. I mean, these are things that are, are hard to describe a lot of times, and you, you have a hard time finding the words for them when you want to tell someone your experience is there. So we're about experience, too. We're about our products, and we're about the families that make them, and we're about making sure that these families can continue on making those products for generations to come. Because, you know, just like a lot of the old world crafts, things can sort of dwindle out in this modern day. So it's very important for us to continue to take that stance and that approach towards what we do. Is there anything else you want to discuss? This was so great to hear. I really loved learning more about your business and about the lessons you've been drawing during this and how you're moving forward. But are there any subjects or topics we didn't cover that you would like to? Most important topic? I like to discuss would be to support small businesses right now. We need to really drive our local communities focus to really supporting these small businesses and understanding the importance behind it because really small businesses make up the fabric of our, not just our community, but our economies. I'm in such a a worry state about what the landscape of these restaurants are going to look like, you know, when all this smoke sort of clears so, you know, whether it's supporting uh, Margie's Grill, they just started doing a to-go system today, make sure you buy food from them, Blue Giant, things like that. These restaurants that are bending over backwards to adjust to a, a new to-go system, you know, they're, they're adjusting as well. They're used to a regular service with diners and they're completely changing their models. So within those efforts, we need to make sure we support them. The restaurants, everyone, everything you can do to support a local restaurant, a local business, you know, it may not look the same on the surface before you make that purchase on Amazon, check with a local business, you know, it may not be what it looked like two months ago, but you know, give them a call and see what their options are. They may be doing curbside pickup like us, they may be doing local deliveries. You know, one of the most important things any of us can do moving forward out of this you know, whether it's into the new normal, whenever we get a chance to really reopen our economy, it's just do everything you can to support small businesses because they've been hit the hardest, you know, and I can speak from that just with, you know, not just the tornado hitting our natural shop, but that sort of drifting right into the pandemic. 
that was such a, a hit for us. But we've seen such a great feedback from our customers, our our friends, our local chefs, our community, everyone, and even on a worldwide basis, coast to coast, we've seen such support. And that's so important. And I want people to know how important that is and how that touches our souls. It makes us continue on. It's, it's, well, it's all we've got is our community support right now. You know, with all that being said, make sure you support small businesses here and now and after, for sure. Thank you so much, Jackie. I couldn't have put it better myself. Could you please tell us where to find you? Give us those shameless plugs. Where can we find Coutelier? Yeah. Maybe eventually I'll pronounce it perfectly. You got it. No, you're doing great. Coutelier is at 8239 Oak Street, corner of Dante in the Riverbend. We are in shop every day, 12 to 4, every day but Sunday. We have staff there, but we're not quite open to the public yet. Uh, Like I said earlier, if you need some sharpening service, please call us 504-475-5606, open for appointments. So uh, we've got some protocols available on our website, cotillianola.com. If you go to our sharpening services section, you can see our protocols on that. We also have curbside pickups. So we encourage online orders. We encourage you to call us if you've got questions. We're info at cotillianola.com for emails. Feel free to reach out for anything. Same in Nashville. We're at 933 Woodland Street in East Nashville. Give us a holler over there if you need anything, curbside pickup, anything like that. We really do encourage everyone to continue to support us. We are here. We are not going anywhere. We are going to survive. We are going to advance. We're going to continue on. We're going to rally around our community because uh, nowhere else in the world I've seen a rally the way New Orleans can come around for its community. The resiliency that everyone has is the most impressive thing to me. You know, post-Katrina, post-disaster, everything like that. Same with East Nashville. The way people rallied around everyone post-tornado was just, you know, one of the most impressive things I've seen in humanity. So, you know, everybody keep supporting small businesses. Check us out, cotillianola.com, and hope to welcome you back into the shop sooner than later. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Jackie. We really couldn't do this without you. And we really look forward to having you back on the show. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. You take care. You too. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to We'll Be Right Back, the future of hospitality. Each episode, we will be highlighting a different organization contributing to the relief effort here in New Orleans. This episode, we would like to highlight Chef's Brigade. Chef's Brigade is a collection of New Orleans restaurants, chefs, and servers feeding healthcare workers and first responders while financially supporting our independent restaurants, culinary talent, and service industry. To contribute to the cause and learn about this amazing initiative, head to chefsbrigadenola.org. We have a link in the show notes. Again, that's chefsbrigadenola.org. This episode, we have an update from Governor Edwards about the Phase 1 reopening of Louisiana. Starting May 15th, Louisiana will commence Phase 1, which will last a minimum of 21 days before moving on to Phase 2. Under Phase 1, the following types of businesses will be permitted to open at 25% occupancy with updated sanitation protocols and spacing for social distancing. Churches, solo and non-contact sports, barbers and salons, museums, zoos, aquariums, with the provision of no tactile exhibits, gyms and fitness centers, in malls, only stores with exterior entrances, restaurants, coffee shops, and cafes, bars and breweries with LDH food permit, takeout, delivery, and dine-in seating only, theaters, casinos and video poker, racetracks, with the provision of not being open to spectators, 
and offices. We'll Be Right Back is produced by me, Greg Tilton. My co-producers are Barry Schwartz of My House Events and Elizabeth Tilton of Oyster Sunday. Barry and Elizabeth are offering incredible resources and services during this time through their New Orleans-based businesses, as well as collecting and sharing various initiatives by other individuals and organizations. All of these are linked in the show description, so please make sure to check them out. You can follow us on Twitter for the latest updates and to let us know what's up, at RightBackNola. Please also consider leaving a review for us on whatever podcast platform you fancy. It helps us know what you think, and it helps people find the show. Our cover art was created by Eugenie McClellan. Our show's music was produced by Sarisu. We have links to their work in the show notes, so give them some love. 